another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Philip. And I'm Jamie. More wonder! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ethan. Just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Trial by Stone. Um, you know, for any of the listeners who are new to the podcast, you know, we talk about the Dark Crystal and of course things have been really all about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and we are up to recapping, I guess, you know, in the sorts with episode seven. The episode title is Time to Make My Move. Uh, that was written by um, one of the co-exec producers of the show, I think, um, Harvey Grillo Markswash. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we're just going to talk about, you know, this particular episode of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And also, you might, I mean, I might as well just, you know, let you all know that there will be spoilers for this episode and, of course, of the entire show, of the, you know, all the episodes of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And I'll have to start off by saying that uh, I think this was definitely, well, I mean, for me, it was like one of my favorite episodes of um, Age Resistance. And for a while, I was trying to figure out why, you know, I mean, I sort of had ideas here and there, but I think the reason I um, enjoyed this episode was that a lot has happened in the first six episodes of the show. So much was going on with, you know, with Rian finding out that the Skeksis are draining in Galfling essence and it's got to prove to people, hey, you know, they've been doing these things. And, you know, we sort of got to, you know, episode five where, where we sort of had that sort of the dream space sort of everyone all, all knows what they need to do that you know the girlfriend's got to go to this uh, circle of the suns and trying to you know uh, figure a way to sort of save their world essentially so a lot really happened in the first six episodes so i think once we got to episode seven and i think i guess the nature of the episode in a way that it was the episode we sort of had a bit bit of downtime like we it was a bit of a sort of a chill episode for me that i could you know i could watch it you know while watching the show that I was like, okay, you know, I can just not think too much, you know, because so much has happened in the six episodes that, um, so I got be able to relax, you know, sort of relax. And, and initially, like, even though this episode was sort of like, for some, many, many people might say it is a bit of a, a filler episode, but still quite a lot happens in this episode. <laughs> I think people either love this episode or hate this episode. I love this episode. Uh, I was cracking up, and I did not expect it at all. Uh, oh man, no, let's not jump ahead. We got we got to go through this sequentially. We got to go to the beginning. We got to talk about Hup throwing up his guts. Oh man, I we we got to do this episode right. But I love this episode. It's it's so much fun. Oh yeah, it really is. Like I mean, just seeing like you know, just to start with the the crystal skimmers and yeah, and just I mean, one the one of the best quotes, you know, from Hop, you know, Hop wants, Hop wants to die. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, Jamie, did you, do you, did you love this episode or hate this episode? Some people hate it. I'm not a black and white type of person, even though I am half black, half white. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a black and white person in terms of loving or hating something. It's always nuanced. It's always a nuanced discussion for me, but I will say initially with episode seven, it was jarring just because of the way, the heretic spoke it's very much like a comedian and it's very tonally different from any other character i mean there are other characters that are a little bit funny probably being one of the funniest but just because he is who he is he's not trying to be funny i don't think the heretic is trying to be funny either i think it but tonally it's so different than anything else it took me out of the show for a minute now i think it's great i love it episode seven is really a breather from not just for for the audience but it's a breather for the the characters from the journey that they're on it's it's a way for them to feel safe sort of find some peace and some rest as they 
before they begin that last leg of their journey. So I really, I find it lovely. I find it's very different. It's risky. It, it was a big risk for them to take characters, you know, new characters that we hadn't seen in the Dark Crystal and shake it up a little bit tonally. And it's very magical. They're, they're experiencing wonder. They've never been to a place like that before. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really, it's a lovely episode. I guess the nature of the characters, especially with, you know, the heretic, you know, he, he's such a, a crazy, you know, different kind of Skeksis. I remember like when they first announced um, that Adam Sandberg was going to voice this heretic Skeksis, I thought it was just a very left out of fear, like for, um, you know, for voice cast choice. And I sort of didn't, didn't, I just didn't know what, because I mean, I, I like, I like him, you know, from, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I was just like, there was such an interesting choice for him voicing a Skeksis character. But I mean, once we got introduced to him, I, I don't know, I just sort of fell in love with the character. I just thought, you know, just, you know, I mean, as, as he describes himself, you know, he's a fun Skeksis and yeah, just, and a bit crazed as well. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? Like, um, Ethan, like with the heretic, cause I know like originally, I mean, you know, back, back in the day when the show was coming out, we're trying to speculate whether he was going to be a brand new Skeksis or if he's going to be based on one of the sort of the other 18, uh, Skeksis that have sort of, you know, been uh, part of, of the law. So what was sort of your, you know, your thoughts about like, once you found out, once we, I guess we found out that, um, the heretic is Skek, who, uh, Skekgra, the Conqueror. Yeah. So when the character photo first came out for the heretic, the, the, the clothes, the, the white clothes, the red, there's like red drawings or something sewn into the clothes or, and just the shape of Skekra's face and I think his coloring. There was lots of things that told me initially that this could possibly be Skekna, the the slave master. And I was like, oh man, is this, is he like an exile? Did he lose a trial by stone? Or, you know, because at least in uh, from the World of the Dark Crystal book, some accounts say that Skekna, the slave master, was openly evil from the beginning. And I thought, hey, maybe he was kicked out of the castle as a heretic. And like, maybe the uh, the Skeksis were um, maybe removing themselves a little bit from Skekna for being too evil openly. You know, I, I saw in the groups that some people thought maybe it was uh, Skekung, the Gartham master, before he was the Gartham master. And I could certainly see that too. I mean, there was a lot of cool theories going around, and you know, you know, we all know that Dark Crystal canon is a little wibbly wobbly, loosey goosey, and you know, we were like, are some of the dead Skeksis coming back, or did they make a a totally new Skeksis out of whole cloth? I mean, did someone get retconned and kicked out? There's a precedent for that as well. There, there was some, you know, a spy master and a different mariner from the the manga that was retconned. So, you know, there was all kinds of theories floating around, and I thought what they did was so freaking clever, you know, making the already established Skegra the Conqueror into a heretic. Super clever. And just his stories, you know, it's kind of... It reminds me of what what's... Is it Saul Saul that turned into Paul from the Bible? I'm not well-versed in the Bible. <laughs> but anyway, it kind of reminded me of, you know, this this guy that's not living such a good life who had this revelation. I'm going to change my life around you're, and do a 180. Oh, well, you're what right. Was it was Saul to Paul. Yeah. So it, um, you know, Skegra is kind of, you know, of a Paul a little bit. Um and I thought that, oh, that's really neat that, uh, you know, the heretic did a 180 like that. It's such a cool, clever um, way to squeeze him into the the story without, you know, and I, I think if they would have invented a Skeksis out of whole cloth, uh, it, it could have, I mean, we just don't want to do that again. You know, who's to say, you know, in a couple of years, they, they write a novel and, and make up Skeksis out of that in a comic book and make up Skeksis out, you know, you don't want to start this pattern of we just make up new things, you know, like they, they were very clever with the canon that they had. Yeah. And I, and I think especially, I mean, 
considering that in the, in the in the law that they had 18 you know 18 skexies and 18 mystics that that were sort of you know sort of established or sort of created um or you know that there was 18 skexies that you know that that was enough characters for for the writers when they came in to do the dark crystal age of resistance to sort of um you know to to use space on um, those kind of characters and actually the cool thing i actually like about with the heretic is i think it was when it was first announced about his character was design was actually based on an old um brian froud concept for um one of the many skeksis characters that featured in um the world of the dark crystal especially with his um uh, with his face you know that sort of a bit of that face paint uh for me he sort of always resembles uh the the union jack um, you know, the United Kingdom flag or you know, part of the Australian flag or with all that kind of stuff. So um, I thought that was kind of like a neat sort of, you know, for people creating the show, uh, looking back at Froud's, you know, old designs, you know, for different kind of Skeksis and, and incorporating that into the show. That's funny. I never thought of that, but that, that totally works too. I always saw it as like war paint, maybe like from a, like a bygone era of, you know, what am I thinking? Kind of like uh, what's that movie? Uh, Mel Gibson. Uh, Braveheart. No, Braveheart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skirts. Skirts. <laughs> skirts. Right, 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 Mel right. Gibson. Yes. Skirts. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Wong Fu. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <wait. laughs> oh, I can't breathe. Okay. So don't edit that, that out. Like a... This makes it funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I, I as we're recording, I know it's pretty late for you, Ethan. So, <laughs> uh, but it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. That's that movie. I'm gonna send in skirts. Oh, oh my god, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. okay, I messed that up. <laughs> I... It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mel Gibson uh, in kilts is what uh, that reminded me of. Um, just, uh, you know, this bygone era of maybe the, the Skeksis wore less clothing, wore more paint and maybe, you know, more leather and feathers, stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe the, the, the Conqueror, Skekgar the Conqueror was more like that. Shoot, this, uh, going back... Let me let me circle this around. So, circle of the suns. <laughs> so you're right. The the heretic was based on um, an old Brian Frow drawing, and I wanted to say this earlier, but uh, I was distracted. <laughs> but kind of speaking about Brian Froud and his involvement with Age of Resistance, and this is just my opinion. Uh, this is my observation, my opinion. I could totally be off base here and wrong um but speaking to the the humor of age of resistance i think that in my opinion comes from brian froud and i do wonder if maybe that was kind of reined in a little bit more back in the movie era um there's there's different voices including jim henson's back uh in the 82 movie that maybe rein that in or maybe Frank Oz, I don't know. Um, but I, I do know that, for example, the Gourmand urinating with three streams, Brian Proud didn't come up with that, but he was a huge fan of that. I, I, I've heard, I was told that. Um, and I just, if the humor comes off as a little strange to you, I do think it comes straight from the source. You know, one of the sources, which is Brian Froud. Brian Froud, in in my opinion, he he's a very fun, silly guy, and he's got a, an a, amazing imagination. And I, I think that the Heretic and the Wanderer, and that's definitely something he signed off on. You know, like, hey, I love this. This is awesome. You know, the Gourmand having three streams. Thraw is a world of threes. So. If the humor feels not true to Dark Crystal, and I've heard this from some people, I, I, I don't think that's particularly true. It does, like, Brian Froud loves that stuff. I don't think it's like a betrayal of Dark Crystal or anything. Um, I know 
not everybody likes olives. Um, so, it, you know, your mileage may vary. I love the Heretic and the Wanderer and, and the humor that's in Age of Resistance. And I know not everybody does. That's totally fine. You know, this episode isn't for everybody. I absolutely dig it. And it, in my opinion, it, it came from, you know, Grandpappy Brian Froud himself. He, he, he digs stuff like this. I would, I would imagine so. And because, I mean, that was the thing about these uh, two characters that they were based um, off characters, I think, through, I think, through a film. But I think, I don't know whether it was based on the book um, Fear and Loathing in uh, Las Vegas. And, uh, like, I will say, I haven't actually, I've, I've never seen the film, but now it's sort of after watching episode seven, you know, quite a number of times. I am very curious to sort of actually watch that film now. I don't know, I don't know if you, um, Jamie or... Or yourself, Ethan, if, if you've seen any, if you've seen Fear and Loathing and, and the similarities between the characters from the from that film versus with the Heretic and the Wanderer. There's a similarity. I mean, I, only in the sense that they're quirky. There's a quirky relationship between the Wanderer and um, the Heretic. And in Fear and Loathing, there's you have Johnny Depp who is playing, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name right now. But he's playing a very famous, iconic character more of a caricature of that person who saw who's always on drugs so so everything is always what he's seeing isn't quite reality it's always a little bit an extension of reality it's very uh psychotropic uh and drug induced so there's a little bit of that in age of resistance but uh, it's not you know there's not there's not a ton of similarity there's a little bit yeah 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 because I, I mean I, I just recall like yeah reading in interviews and i think you know yeah, yeah that it might have been like part of the inspiration like behind the characters a little bit i just i just wanted to say real quick that comes from an io9 interview and uh jeff addis will matthews and javi grigio marks watch said that the heretic and the wanderer are based on that movie fear and loathing in las vegas in that so what what they said is they they take these drugs these uh, urge root berries because they're not tapped into Thra they're not a part of Thra they're aliens so they have to you know take these drugs these uh, it sounds like maybe the the heretic is on uppers and the wanderers on downers and they take <laughs> these drugs it, it, this is really in the article uh, I'm not making this up so uh, they they take these drugs in order to have these visions of the future. Because they they can't be connected to Thraw itself, they have to. And that that explains their quirkiness. It doesn't say it in the show, it but it is kind of um, hinted at when Deet almost eats those or Drew berries. Rianne's like, "Yo, well, don't eat those. Dusan shamans eat these to to see glimpses of the future, and it, it'll 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 kick your butt." <laughs> so. Uh, it's definitely hinted at, it, even though it isn't exactly spelled out uh, for the audience. You you can kind of connect it together, and that is uh, uh, in an IO9 uh, interview. It's disgusting. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it's called a, a spoiler-filled chat with Dark Crystal Age of Resistance creators. So um, I'll try and remember to put that in the show notes uh, for any listeners that want to read uh yeah that article which is actually pretty it was a pretty good article as well um that was pretty in depth about the entire show yeah as well so yeah no no really really cool stuff and also love like i mean you know that there's sort of their home that this circle of the suns i don't know i don't know for you guys but for me it sort of it definitely reminded me of sort of the valley of the mystics like it was like a miniature a miniature version of um the valley of the mystics especially when we first get introduced to um, Ergo, the Wanderer, you know, as he's going down um, around, you know, with that ramp sort of, you know, in, in that circular sort of uh, motion sort of thing. No, I think uh, the Circle of the Suns, the the structure itself looks like if you, you got the mystics to build the castle, it, it looks like a pile of stones all on top of each other in almost this castle-like structure. And then you're right, and on the inside, it's it's very, you know, it's the spiral valley type of thing. And it's this cool union between the castle and the the Valley of the Mystics. Uh, they definitely did that on purpose. It's super cool. I, I watch the episode all the time in, in, in slow motion because, you know, 
That's me. Uh, it's uh, you see new <laughs> things in the background all the time. So you know we know that the the heretic and the wanderer they they forged the dual glaive together. You see the the anvil. Is that what it's called? It might have a skirts moment again. The anvil uh, in the background that, that probably they used to to forge it, and also Skegra's chair from the throne room is in the, the background in this room. So when they kicked him out of the castle, they threw the chair after him. They said, take your chair too. <laughs> take your chair too. <laughs> yeah, when you, you when you when the camera first goes into the what's it called? The Circle of the Suns. It's on the right. Uh, his little council room chair. Uh, when you look at the throne room of the Skeksis, you know, there's the throne and then there's these little chairs to the sides. It's one of those chairs. Not that it's really important. My question is, how the heck did they drag that up? What I love about uh, the Wanderer specifically is he is a mystic. Like he reminds me of the mystics from the original film. Uh, I love, I loved that he is slower and that there's contention between the two of them about how slow he is. But he just felt like a mystic. Whereas you guys know that I've said this before, uh, Irva does not feel like a mystic. To me, uh, he just there's something really off about Irva, the puppet. Uh, whereas the Wanderer Ergo was just note perfect. I loved him, and uh, just the way he moved and his eccentricities and yeah, it was just it was really lovely to see the pairing. And again, it was a very risky episode. It was a, but they needed to you know I mean I think the whole show is risky, but they needed to do something a little bit different, and that's what good writers do they have to they say you know what we can't retread what so what we've seen before we've got to try something different and they did and it's successful episode seven is a lot of people's most favorite episode it's not mine episode four is mine but i do love episode seven and again just the 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 oh what's the word i'm looking for the skirts. tension slash skirts yes chemistry between ergo and the heretic was just beautiful it's brilliant and puppet show you know we haven't talked about that yet and just the story that they're telling it's just it was amazing i, I love it. it it's just breath of fresh air in the middle of all this high drama oh yeah uh, i mean speaking about you know with puppets i mean especially that this sort of becomes sort of in, in a way the end of um law's sort of journey and even just like the moment where with bria like you know hu hugging like hu hugging the law you know possibly you know yeah for the last time because it's like well may not meet again you know that that law's role um for delivering the message was successful and you know that that's all it's you know that was going to yeah, be be the end for um for law here's the cool thing about lore so slowly but surely you know i'm over here writing my little fan fictions right and i'm coming up with try my best to come up with some cool original way of transmitting messages. You know, I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, if they sent a bird over and the bird kind of parroted, uh, you know, messages or something, la di da. No lore was built by the earth back in the day. Right. And lore and others like him, according to Jeff Addis are messengers. They're, Thraw's version of a cell phone. I'm like, what the? I did not. It, that went over my head. So what? What you do is you you tell Alora a message, and they record it onto their little arm. They walk over to the next city, and they play it back. And then you you tell Lore another message. He records it onto his little arm, and he walks over and he plays it back to you. So it, it it's he's a messenger. Uh, I did not catch that. I was like, that is freaking clever. That is pretty cool to know, yeah, like, that there could potentially be, yeah, plenty of um, laws out there being able to pass a message. Because I know, like, with the Gelflings, I think in um, J.M. Lee's books, I think he used, uh, I think, a Swuthu, which was sort of like a, a messenger-like kind of creature as well. So I thought, yeah, I mean, but that would be kind of cool, actually. Um, well, yeah, the Gelflings probably do use other little creatures and we know that they used the the wind sifters to deliver the oh yes with the crown yes the, yeah. the, the the crown and you know i'm sure they use all sorts of little clever creatures but uh, the 
and and I I, I I'm sorry if I said that wrong, but the the lore I don't know what the, the lore machines I guess um, they they were built by the Erskex, so they might have been the Erskex messengers. Maybe Erskex. I don't know. You kind of think maybe the Erskex could talk to each other like psychically or something. I don't know. Maybe it was like Erskex to Gelfling or something. But they were built by the Erskex. The lore devices are ancient. They're ancient machines from a bygone era. And so it, I get the feeling, and this is just my opinion, I get the feeling that that's what Lore was doing under the capital. He was a messenger left there or forgotten there from a bygone era. Like, hey, if someone finds this, come find me and we'll end Skeksis' power. I, I wonder if the heretic in the Wanderer snagged one of these ancient machines or something yeah because i mean because they i think the um the heretic i mean he says it was like 379 trying to go um uh, that he put the message in yeah so it, it would have to make sense yeah that you know once they become you know skeksis and mystics and you know, him having these visions yeah it would have to make sense for him to snatch up on the laws and um implant the message and hope that one day someone will discover it and and what i don't know what you thought about i think with the voice of law that that the voice of law was the heretic oh yeah absolutely you listen that listen to that again and it's 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 not the best quality but i definitely think that's the heretic's voice talking like i can't remember he says but yeah he definitely has the same like uh cadence and rhythm as as the heretic um, definitely. And as for, I mean, I, I bet you anything they'll utilize this in a season two because they even kind of lampshade it or whatever you call it. Like they draw attention to Rian's like, he doesn't talk much, does he? Lore, you know, and that's because he doesn't have a voice of his own. He's a messaging system, you know, like for example, if, if Brea recorded, a message on the Lord, then Lord would have Brea's voice on it. You know, he doesn't have a voice of his own. But speaking of Lore, I, I totally thought that Lore would be kind of a, a proto Gartham because the Gartham to me were always these golems, these machines driven by psychic pulses or whatever, you know, <laughs> psychic machinery i don't know what but these golems you know but it was kind of a a surprise anyway that's a future episode but anyway it was definitely surprising to me that the the gartham weren't cousins if you will to the 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 lore and the gartham weren't cousins so to speak i know because i mean i mean that was the thing about with the gartham um because i think in world of dark crystal or i think it was some mythology that um, they were once sort of, they were based on the creations from, I think, the Erskix homeworld. And then what we got in the show was sort of, um, yeah, a combination of the Arathem, which we definitely want to get into, a combination of the Arathem and um, the Grunax. So I thought, you know, they sort of changed that up a little bit, you know, compared to, you know, the the, the stories that we heard about with the Gartham, with the books versus uh, what they did with the show. Which, I mean, speaking about that, I mean, we might as well get into with the Arathem or the Ascendancy, um, as, you know, the Skeksis are trying to get them to, to join their side to sort of, you know, take down the Galflings and, or to, you know, to, to defeat the Galflings in a way, but, in you know, in exchange for them to get back their, um, their homeland, which was the Caves of Grot. And, I mean, this, this for me, this was sort of one thing I wasn't a huge fan of, you know, overall, like, with with the ascendancy with the spiders um because i mean i definitely I, I definitely know like sort of um you know especially when we got introduced to the ascendancy and it, it it was very on the nose like very you know the labyrinth kind of reference um i think to the uh, with, with the helping hands characters yeah yeah i just i just thought like just with yeah just with the ascendancy and then of course towards the end you know with, with the threaders when they sort of attach themselves to the gelfling and it's like i am the ascendancy that it was sort of you know a bit of like it seemed very like you know from like a we call i think from like borg you know from star trek how 
that sort of assimilation uh, kind of inspiredness to it. Um, so I, I don't know, like uh, Jamie, I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts about with with the ascendancy and and the spiders of Thra. I feel like I always have to say this, uh, especially because you know there's a lot of people watching or listening who have worked on the show that we've met. Um, and I'm always like, I want you to know that I think the show is a masterpiece, but I don't like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like I, uh, the ascendancy, all of that really took me out of the show, to be honest with you. I know it's from the books. Um, and uh, parts of it I, I'm okay with. Um, I, I think what really took me out was the ascendancy, all the Arathim coming together to speak with a voice, like in the moving like a mouth. I just felt like you didn't need to do that. They could have spoken. There could have been a leader of the Arathim to speak. Um, I know, again, hands were tied perhaps, but it was just so Star Trek. It did not feel like Dark Crystal at all. It just took, and then, of course, you have the baby Arathims on their face, which made it like the Borg. Um, so, like, um, so what? it's not just feeling like Star Trek. It kind of is like Star Trek, where you have, like, um, resistance is futile. Even the way they're talking is like the Borg. Um, I just didn't work. Didn't work. But again, for the sake of balance, um, the show is so amazing. It's just such a masterpiece of a show. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it. But, uh, you know, having ha- now that we're on that, you know, we're on that episode and we're seeing the beginnings of this. Just, yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I don't know what they could have done. The books were written. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know, I know that they probably could have made other choices, but it's the choice that they made. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not like something that I'm like, oh, I hate it, that sort of thing. And it's just something that, yeah, it just sort of it was probably the only really, I mean, throughout the whole show, it's probably the only thing I sort of, yeah, just just wasn't a huge fan of with, with, with the yeah. sliders and the ascendancy. Me too. Uh, but, Me too. you know, but. I think like, you know, watching it a couple of, you know, watching these episodes, you know, quite a few times to sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You know, as it is that they, they gave it a go, you know, it was a different kind of concept. Um, I know, especially I think with the ascendancy um, with, I think in, it was in the making of the age resistance book and, and I, the original concepts for the ascendancy were pretty much going to be like these spider webs that forms a face essentially. And I was, that would have been cool. Yeah. And I was, when I saw that, um, that concept art piece, I'm like, Ooh, that would have been a very interesting look. Um, and scary know, for, too. Yes. Yeah. But I guess I could probably understand, I guess, whether, you know, trying to animate, uh, you know, based on spider webs was going to be, you know, whether it's like sort of too much work, where it was just going to be much easier just to use the Arathum because it's like, well, they've, they've built, the models and stuff so let's just use the spiders you know spot all spiders this one to form the face and um that sort of thing so yeah that was something that i would have been like i'd be so curious to see yeah what what it could have been essentially um i don't know your thoughts about that um ethan no i really dig that that concept art and the uh, just the the idea of the the erathum go to different parts of the the spider web and pull and tug and move the face and uh, really neat. It's a really cool concept. And I wonder if the spiders coming together and creating a new entity in a way, and as well as being an homage to Labyrinth, I wonder if they, they liked that better. You know, the creators, like, you know, Dark Crystal is about coming together, you know, the, the, the Skeksis and the, the mystics coming together and making Urskex, like the idea of the Arathum, many Arathum coming together and making a, a new entity that that's very dark crystally. I mean, like on paper, it sounds perfect, but it definitely, it threw me off. Like it definitely was very like, Oh, labyrinth, the Borg, you know? And yeah, it was one of those things where I think sometimes you can, homage something but sometimes you know in things that are unsuccessful which the dark crystal isn't it is very successful age of resistance but i think the trappings of that whole thing was you see things that are homaging something 
that are unsuccessful. It's like a big, hey, look, wink, wink, wink. And with this, it just felt a little bit too much like a wink. Like, look, we're winking to Labyrinth. Look, this is like Star Trek. Like, I don't think that that, 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 that that's what their intent was. That's just how I perceived it. And I think, like, for me, I was kind of sort of glad that I think um, that so that whole sentence sort of got wrapped up. I'm pretty certain it got wrapped up in episode eight or nine, but I think it was might have been eight that that sort of got wrapped up from my from my memory. Um, yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing, like, watching all these episodes, I mean, it is pretty much, like, one big story. So it's like, you know, I can't exactly remember, like, right now, you know, which episode um, that that sort of sentence sort of got wrapped up. But yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, going back, you know, to the Circle of the Suns and I mean, this this was pretty much like the first time that uh, Rian and Deet sort of got to know each other a bit more, uh, especially, you know, sort of uh, like the sort of the beginnings of almost like the the, the love story, I guess, um, between um, Rian and Deet. And I know that was, that's sort of been something that there has been a lot of talk about, especially you know, you know, of course, with Rian, I mean, it was Rian and Mira, and, you know, there's some fans who are like, oh, you know, you know, is it moving too fast, you know, for him to to go for deep, you know, uh, to sort of get, on, yeah, to falling in love, that sort of thing. I don't know your thoughts yet, <laughs> Ethan, yeah. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, totally. I think it's, I mean, it's fine. It, I don't have a problem with it, but uh, it, I, whenever someone says, man, he sure is moving fast, I, I can't help but agree. I mean, if I was Mira looking up or down, I don't, I, I, I guess Gelfling returned to Thra. So looking up at, you know, my boy Rianne moving in on D, I'm like, dude, how long have I been dead? You know, you're cozying up to her. Like, calm down, you know. Even Bray is probably like, dude have some class i'm just playing but uh yeah he's moving in fast something happens to deet in season two and he starts moving in out on brea i i'll i will divorce myself from Rian. like not a fan no more i'm just kidding but uh i, I could see it happening <laughs> anyway what do you think jamie i don't feel like uh it's that overt I don't feel like I think that there's some looks here or there and some and they're looking at each other and they're like, oh, and they might be interested. But I don't feel like it's a full on love story whatsoever. I don't think if anything, there's a connection there. They've been through a lot and she gets her powers with him. So there's a moment where she experiences something that she's never experienced before. And she's with Rianne. And that bonds her to him in some ways. And I think what you're seeing with him is a sense of bonding that he has with her, not so much, oh, I'm in love with her. Yes, there's a couple looks here and there, but I don't know. I'm not seeing this love story at all that other people see. I mean, I mean that I mean that was a thing, especially I mean with Date. You know, she was really getting into you know telling Rin about you know with the Nurlocks and how her you know dress her the rump dress was made with Nurlock rump that sort of thing and. And then she stops and sort of hesitates because, you know, I mean, in a way, you know, in previous episodes, every time Deets try to talk to another Gelfling, they just reject her. Um, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. You know, you're from, you're from Grot. You're from the caves. Probably, you know, this is probably the first time, I don't know, I would say in a way, like, you know, that she had sort of a deep and meaningful sort of conversation with a Gelfling yeah, like Rian from, you know, Stone in the Wood. And when she sort of stops and then Rian's like, you know, well, you know, I like the dress. It's it's really nice. It looks good on you. I like your rump dress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in terms of, of like Deet and Rian, um, I think the nature of puppetry um, and certainly what I see in the groups or certainly Trial by St- or, uh, the Crystal Shard, People imbue the puppets with a lot, a lot more that 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 than I think is there. I also think that's the nature of puppetry. We that's why the Muppets are so amazing because we see ourselves in them to some degree. Um, they 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 can act in ways that maybe we do in private, but they do publicly, so we can relate to it. Um, and I think the puppets in the dark crystal because there, there's a fascination that people have with these puppets and it's a different fascination. Like I am fascinated 
as everyone knows, I'm fascinated with The Dark Crystal. It's one of my all-time favorite films, but not for the reasons that a lot of people are. Um, for me, it was more about wonder and a new world and what is possible and just so many other things. Whereas for other people, it's far more about what they imbue on these characters and or and what they infer from them or to them. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to see how people interpret what they're seeing. We're all watching the same thing. It's the idea that, again, we're all being given the same amount of information, but we're all... We're all perceiving what we're seeing very differently or minor, different in a minor way. But yeah, no, it was just, it was just something that was very interesting. And I know that that was sort of getting a lot of comments, I think, um, yeah, when that show was coming out. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like, for, for, for myself, I'm just like, well, you know, they're just getting to know each other. Um, it's probably the first, really the first time that they really got to really talk to each other a lot because they've always sort of, encountered each other um i think you know for episode four and i guess you know in episode five as well with the dream space so really getting to know each other and i and i think you know it was it was sort of a good moment to sort of again like with this episode to sort of bit of a bit of a breathing space you know get to know some of these characters much more and even more so i mean you know with deet and and i think this is the thing that i love about with dark crystal is how open and accepting um you know all you know everyone is in thra i mean especially like with um with deke when you know she mentions that you know well you know i have a family you know i have two fathers and and a brother and i i think i just love that that you know it's it's not a big deal like you know that you know in thra that everyone's really open open and accepting you know for who they are you know no matter who or what they're from and all that kind of stuff Thra is a world without constructs, and a world without constructs is a world that's a world of possibility. Whereas in on Earth, we live with constructs. We live with the construct of, you know, mothers and fathers, and all of those things. And yes, of course, it takes a, mother, uh, a man and a woman to have a baby and to do all of those things. But then, of course, we live in a society where two men can raise a baby, or two women can raise a baby, or a single person can adopt a child or have a child or whatever. But in Thra. These things don't exist. Rianne doesn't bat an eye because that's not even a, they don't even, those issues that we deal with on a sociological plane, I would say, they don't even, it's, this is a fantasy world where, you know, girls fly and um, you can talk to someone or you can you speak to someone by giving, you know, by dream fasting. So I think, they live in a world where it's, you know, again, trees move in and out of the water and flowers speak. And so, of course, there's no issue with two fathers because, well, number one, we don't even know how children are made or born. We don't know if Gelfling, Gelfling females get pregnant. We don't know if my idea was if Thra sort of gives forth children to Gelflings who want them, who are coupled or whatever. So we don't really know. We don't know how that happens. Um, but it's it's beautiful. And what I love about fandom's reaction to the whole like two dads thing is most fandom has been like, okay, next. Which is how Rianne was. It's not a big deal to people. It's it's just this is just how life is. And it's really, really great. But of course there have been some conversations and some uh, accusations and some you know, controversial statements made about agenda and that sort of thing. But in Thra, there is no agenda. It just is what it is. And uh, I, I, I love that it took a while to even notice it for people to even like, oh, yeah. And then people are like, really? Are you sure? Because in like, oh, yeah, they're sleeping. They're sleeping all in the same bed in that one scene. And people are like, oh, OK. You know, and then they're on to isn't Grot cool or isn't, you know, like it just wasn't a big deal. And uh, I testament to the writers and to louis and to everyone involved that they threw that in there without most people blinking an eye i mean that's that's the thing like stories that that's what matters the most and yeah i just i just love just how how open and accepting like yeah just all the characters are you know on thra and it'd be it'd be great seeing seeing more of those sort of stories moving forward which i guess you know speaking of stories i guess the big thing in this episode was getting to know the true history of Thra. 
that uh, Skekra or the Heretic and the Wanderer, um, Ergo, the Wanderer, which, I mean, it starts off as sort of like a, a silly little opera that sort of seems like it just goes on for hours and hours and sort of get, you know, get to the point where they do this show and um, and it's all telling the story through puppets, which I thought that was like probably, again, I mean, one of the riskiest factors in this episode of um, Age of Resistance because th- th- that moment could have, I mean, it could have almost been a bit hit and miss. Like, you know, it's like if doing a, you know, a story through puppets within a puppet show, you know, if it's a bit too meta or, you know, it's going to put, you know, going to push viewers out a bit too much, you know, with that sort of thing. But I mean, for me, it, it sort of really worked well. I think that was probably one of the uh, brilliant moments within the episode. I, I guess, Ethan, like, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to know sort of your thoughts about, you know, their true history of Thra, because uh, I know there's sort of been a lot of, you know, different sort of interpreta- interpretations sort of of the history of Thra. And I was just curious, you know, what what was your thoughts like when, you know, seeing that scene, um, them trying to tell tell the story about about Thra. So the true history of Thra. Um, let's see. So that's that's a good question because I can go on down so many avenues here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that this whole that the whole puppet show is pretty much we. I mean, we could almost have a whole episode just about the puppet show. Absolutely. I, I dissect the, the hell out of this. I mean, it's it's just an, it's another interpretation of the origin of the the Skeksis and the Mystics and and it I I love it. It's absolutely gorgeous. It was so clever to do puppets and you know the little little things that I I I liked and noticed was the Skeksis when it. You know what? I don't. Even, that's not even that. That's interesting to me, but it's not that interesting. Jamie, go ahead because. <laughs> I I am not prepared, Phil. I yeah. am so okay. sorry. I put you on the spot. I, 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 <laughs> uh, I think as an overview, the puppetry, the whole sequence, the whole show they're given is really the, the you know, you have the idea that this is the age of wonder. I mean, they call it the age of resistance, but I, I, I feel like it's also wonder. And it's the moment in the show where, you know, the lights dim and we're seeing a puppet show within a puppet show. And it feels like the age of wonder and the main characters are learning things that they've never known um, about the creation of their world or the, the, the how the Skeksis came to the world. And it was just um, nail on the head. Perfect. Pitch. Perfect. Note. Perfect. And the way that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit meta, and of course you have the them saying a puppet show, and they go, yeah. <laughs> you Puppetry. know, like I, I love that. That could have not worked. That could have been too much. It wasn't too much. It was really, really perfect. And the way that they shot the puppet show, um, just the way, uh, what's the name of the 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 puppeteer that that younger guy that they hired? Um, I know Toby Froud was in it, but yeah. So that was uh, Barnaby Dixon. Barnaby. Um, yes. So he he puppeteered the the little Gelfling character. I think that was was he was credited on. Yeah, just the mo- the motion, the movement. It just felt like it reminded me a little bit of the original Dark Crystal. To be honest with you, I felt the kind of wonder watching that. I felt like I was watching the original Dark Crystal when they showed that for whatever reason, I don't know. And I think part of it is because you don't know who that character is. Is it Jen? Who is it? What's going on? Um, And it's just mystery. It's they're showing, they're showing you and they're telling you or us or the characters, what's this history at the same time. There's so much mystery still there. There's so many questions in the, in those answers that, ask themselves so i could watch that sequence over and over and over it's brilliant oh yeah me too yeah yeah and because and, i mean that was the thing like i remember I'm, like watching that that scene for the first time and just realizing like oh wow you know they're actually changing not changing the prophecy but this is a different kind of prophecy which revolves around you know with with the weapon the jewel glaive so i i remember what i was watching i was like oh wow well this is a you know a new sort of prophecy way and i think you know as we sort of get probably later on with age resistance i mean it should we get a season two or whatnot 
um, that we're going that will have that sort of second part of the prophecy to do that wall of destiny. So I thought that was really, really, really cool. And uh, I think like there was even like I felt that there was like I don't know kind of hints about you know especially like with the uh, the weapon of you know the the jewel glaive how it was cast in in the deepest fires of the inner sun. I, I don't know yourself, um, Ethan, about if they were referring to the inner sun like within within Thra, which I know that's sort of been part of, um, I think, especially with the power of the Dark Crystal, um, that, there, you know, there's this world called Mithra, you know, much deeper, you know, even below the Grotten, you know, the Grotten clans that there's this other clan called, you know, the Firelings, and um, and they live in their sort of in their own world called Mithra. I was actually curious, I don't know whether that there is any connection between that or whether they were referring more of the inner sun, you know, as one of the main three sons of... Um, of Thra. Oh no, I I interpret it as um, the the inner sun being the the center of the world. Um, back in the day, they called it the Lake of Fire. The novelization, uh, I believe, World of the Dark Crystal uh, calls it the Lake of Fire. That's kind of been not retconned, I guess uh, retconned, or they they shift more toward calling it the inner sun now, but. When Which is a is, very good well, thing because the Lake of Fire in the Bible is like where the devil lives. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, shoot. The okay. devil is cast in Revelation. The devil is cast into the Lake of Fire, so it's probably good that they're trying to maybe steer clear from that name because it's synonymous oh, right. with Christianity. Shoot. I had no idea. I'd, okay. Well, yeah, maybe that that explains a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, that the inner sun. Um, Skektek falls into the inner sun in the original film and, and he burns up and, you know, and we do see more of the inner sun in the sequel comic, Power of the Dark Crystal. And we'll see it in a later episode. And there, this is spoilers for the entire series, but for, you know, being such a cool little sword, uh, I, I, I thought it was kind of funny how easily broken it was. You know, cast in the inner sun of the of Thra, and, and, it, and it, it snaps like a, a little piece of plastic piece of plastic has like, yeah oh. you're right like it, it they they talk about it as if it's indestructible and then all of a sudden oh it's broken yeah it's it's surprising i was like okay all right no but it sure sounds epic doesn't it it sounds like a lord of the rings type thing like cast in the fires of mount doom or type of thing that I love that kind of language. I mean, that just you know, you get goosebumps like, oh, this is epic as hell. I I love it. But yeah, that's the the inner sun. Uh, it 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 really makes you wonder if you know, did they they build it there in the the circle of the suns? You know, I, it makes you wonder if there's some ceremony with the the three suns above and the inner sun below when when making it or something. I don't know. That that's just me speculating. I I mean I get the feeling they they forged the 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 glaive there in the circle of the suns. They they said they cast it in the fires of the inner sun. I mean to me, you, you don't have to go down to the center of the planet to do that. You bring the fire to you. In my opinion, you know you just I I I I don't know. I'm rambling. The end. <laughs> Yeah, figuring out a way to harness, yeah, to harness the inner sun, you know, t- yeah, to reach, to reach to them, you know, so they don't have to go much deeper, have to go closer to the inner sun to be able to, to, um, to cast the weapon, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I could totally see them, you know, in their little circle of the suns, in their forge, you know, they draw light from the three suns above, they draw fire from the sun below, and they they forge this this cool freaking glaive, put the shard in there, and you know, make something freaking cool. I don't know. I well, maybe we'll see it in a comic or something. That'll be freaking cool. I don't know. I mean, we got that dual glaive comic. That's you know, and we still got. I mean, we're halfway through the story, but I probably probably not expecting um you know to get more backstory about the dual glaive, but who knows? And that's when we sort of got the reveal about the um the Oriole. Um, the sigil of great power that sort of the the symbol that uh bria was uh you know seeing throughout the show um that sort of thing so sorry speaking of the the oriel i i believe the video game calls it the spirit of thra 
maybe this sh- this episode calls it that too. But that that might give more of a clue to what the the nature of the Oriel is. The it's a symbol of Gelfling unity. It the, the video game calls it the spirit of Thra. It's almost in a way a, like a symbol of the crystal itself, since you know the crystal and the Thra is, is, is the same thing. Uh, I, I, I'm very curious to see that symbol will will be used in, in the future, because everybody, you know, is speculating like, is that what is on the ruins, the chair in the ruins? Is it on Kira's dress? It might be. It's very. It's a very interesting symbol, and symbols are very important in Dark Crystal. And I, I'm me personally, I'm very curious to see how it's going to be utilized in the future. You know, we, we see in season one, I don't know. You know, it, it means, you know, the, the unity of the Gelfling, but I don't know, like, are, is that leading us to the actual prophecy prophecy? You know, I, it was very brave of them not to give us the wall of destiny this season, but I, I, it has to be leading to that, right? The, the stone, uh, the wall itself that I, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the one thing. Like, I was really surprised. Like, I think it wasn't until, you know, after watching the entire show and I think, like, probably five or ten minutes later, I'm like, oh, we didn't get the Wall of, Wall of Destiny. You know, there's so so many, like, story elements that sort of been sort of left open for a potential season two. So, yeah, I certainly hope we sort of get delve into that um, a lot more. That's for sure, yeah. I'm glad yeah. they didn't. They could have Han Solo yeah. this. Uh, you know, in the Solo movie, like, oh, he, this is the history of Han Solo. And, you know, he met Lando, got the Millennium Falcon, and did all of his most famous things all in the same weekend. And I'm really glad that Age of Resistance steered clear of that. Like, we're not going to write down a list of everything we need to answer from the Dark Crystal, and we're not all going to do it in Season 1. It, it, and I think it takes a great deal of control i mean not everybody would have done that everybody would have been like okay we, we gotta we gotta kill all the skexies we gotta make the wall of destiny and we've got to you know and then season season two it would have been where we to go from there uh i'm glad and they control what, themselves and really good storytelling when you're especially in prequel territory writing a good story doesn't mean answering all those questions writing a good story means asking better questions and I'm glad that they didn't go into the Wall of Destiny. I really, I don't think, hopefully, as we, you know, approach a season two, hopefully we get it, um, they don't set out to answer questions. They need to set out to ask different ones and leave some things up to mystery. Um, maybe we don't find out how Gelflings have babies. Whatever, whatever those mysteries need to be. I mean, I think the the forming of the Wall of Destiny isn't, that is a, a must. I mean, we need to see sort of the end of where the Gelflings, you know, where the Gelflings end up. Uh, we need to see, we need to see parts of that. And, you know, I, I you know, obviously uh, Solo is a very weak, weak script, unfortunately, um, where that, like you said, they, they, they just, instead of asking better questions, they just answer all the ones we didn't want and didn't need a- answered, you know, whereas with so far with uh, age of resistance, they've really, really told their own story without like, okay, we're going to answer this and we're going to answer that. And of course some things are talked about, but, and hopefully we don't need to know who Jen and Kara's parents are. Um, If they can hint at that, like the hint that they gave of possibly that being Brea running in the woods, looking like Kira's mother. I think that's all we need to see. I don't think showing everything and explaining everything Part of what makes the original film so brilliant is the mystery. Who are these Gelfling? Who were their parents? Let's not answer all those questions. Let's let's leave a few. So when if the season two wraps and that's all it's going to be, we're still left with some really good questions. Um, that's what that's just that's what is good storytelling. Um, and again, so far I think that they've really struck a, a really good balance there. So I, I'm hopeful that they can, can they can continue to. Oh yeah, yeah. There were so many questions, especially you know at the end of the show, and um, yeah, I'm just so yeah excited to see you know furthering on the adventures and um, to to keep continuing the I guess the mysteries of 
of sorts with the show um yeah because i mean like for me it's like you know I'm, I'm not like i'm not really too fussed about you know who jen and kira's um parents are it's it just doesn't bother me it's just like you know i don't, I don't mind who, who you know who they are it's just like it doesn't matter if we don't i'm like i'm not too fussed if it you know if we don't get explained in in you know say if a season two happens so yeah yeah so it's 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 all really good and just yeah so such an exciting time so we'll just have to wrap up for this episode of trial by stone um again so much happens in this show and again we're we're always going to be revisiting uh these episodes and even little moments for um many more episodes to come so i just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and um stay tuned for more episodes of trial by stone Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.